brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Welcome to Kill Me Now. You know, we're, this is, you know, I say I have special episodes, right? This goes beyond a special episode. This episode is honoring an icon. We are going to spend time. I just, I can't fucking believe this day is here because Judith and I have been talking about it forever. If you're a listener and you don't know who Edie Windsor, I can't say was because I'm in her apartment right now and she's still here. She is still here. I feel her presence. I'm here with her uh, widow, Judith. Surviving spouse. Surviving spouse. Is that what they say now? That's my preference. A surviving my, spouse. It's my preference. I like that. And yes. um, Judith. The widow wins. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. <laughs> Judith actually has um, a great first name. <laughs> What's your middle name? Merrill. Judith Merrill. That's so Jewy. Mine's Judith Hannah. Okay. She is uh, Edie's. Who Judith was in the Bible. Yes! She fucking fierce, that Judith. She was murder. A and a murderer. A whore. I, I'm a murderer and a whore. Yes. And we're here with, would you say you're Edie's ghostwriter, Joshua? Or what would you say? You're, you're, Co- you're, co-author. 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 I wouldn't say ghostwriter yeah. because mm-hmm. A Wild and Precious Life, it's a memoir of my hero, I think, the LGBTQRSTWXYZ community all over the world. She is, the profound effect she has had on me and so many people's lives, and I know you, most of you never met her in person. It was like a ball of light, love, unconditional love, intelligence, appreciation, hope. I, I can't, I don't know how to describe this person and do it justice. And in we'll we'll post some photos. Can we take photos after of just the memorabilia and the awards and the proclamations and the the name of the um, the memoir is a, a wild and precious life. And I I think she was wild and I think she was precious. So I think that's a beautiful name for the book. Joshua Lyon is here. And um, Josh, you're not Jewish, are you? God, I wish. But you have Joshua. <laughs> exactly. So are you circumcised? I am. Okay. Wait. It's not quite dinging. Okay. That's, that's the <laughs> like a half ding. Do you have a Jewish boyfriend? <laughs> no, he's have, so a waspy. Did you ever have a Jewish oh, boyfriend? Um, yes. I've had Jewish boyfriends. All and right. actually he's my husband, the guy. The oh, wasp you're, you're, you're married. married? Yeah. yeah not married. me. So... I, oh my God, you have Jack Purcell's. I just bought, wait, can I just, I just bought two. I have, I'm a sneaker whore. I have, these are PF flyers. I just bought 
corduroy Jack Purcells. Amazing. I always have to get the leather ones, even though I feel bad about buying new leather, but the leather ones are better. Uh, So I got, it's like an off, it's like, it's like a brownish green, you know, that brownish green thing and a black. I didn't even know they made corduroy. Yeah. They just, I got it on the, cause they send me, I buy so many sneakers and they, all right, whatever. You know, you're on, (laughs) you know how when you're on, this is a kill me now moment. You're on the, you're, I'm reading an article. I don't need a pop-up of something I looked at four weeks ago. Like, hello, we're having a sale. You know, it's like fucking leave me alone. Leave me alone. I have, they fucking make you crazy by popping shit up, you know. Drives me nuts. Um, if I see one more keto diet thing. Oh, well, you fall. know the keto thing is like smelly pussy. Did you I, know that? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the, um, okay. <laughs> no, that is the effect that your vagina smells. Excellent. Good okay, information. Okay, so don't do Good it. Good information. Look, all I have to say about weight loss is the only thing that's ever worked that I have done besides a clinical depression <laughs> is Weight Watchers. That's it. You're like, oh, this is how many, you know, this is how much I'm supposed to eat in a day. Write it down, bump, and exercise. And you know what? Menopause sucks. Anyway, so Edie Windsor was the uh, plaintiff in the Defense of Marriage Act case. Just to explain the case for anyone who's listening, uh, Edie was married to Thea, 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 Thea Spire. Not very long. They were together for 40 years. Over 40 years? 42 years. When what were they married for two? Mm-hmm. And when they were together, for th- and this was in my act. This is how I met Edie. I, can I, I'll tell you how I met yeah. Edie. So I was doing a show called The Judy Show, My Life as a Sitcom. And uh, I had read about Edie and Thea getting married. And I used to do a bit in my act, starting in the early 2000s, you know, I'd come out on stage in the mid 90s as a gay parent. And then I started getting so fucking annoyed with about equality because I had a family and I realized all the entitlements and benefits that straight people had that I didn't have, even though my son, Henry, who we did a second parent adoption, but it was as if we were not valid. We had to carry around. Like people don't real straight people do not realize that to this day, we have to come out to someone. I'd say about five people a day. We have to come out. Constantly. People make ass- assumptions. I check into a hotel with Elisa and it's like, oh, you got a king size bed. Did you mean to get two queens? It's like constant little shit you don't that you straight people have never had to deal with. And I was so sick of people voting for people like Bush who, you know, no protections for us. We didn't want extra. We wanted equality. We wanted the same. And I feel like, so I used to do this. I came out as a gay parent. And then when I was like, all this shit, I would talk about my family. I was like, it's so not fair. And I started talking about all these people who were entitled, who had marriage benefits that are like Jerry Sandusky, mm-hmm. Eric and Lyle Menendez can get married in jail and I can't get married. You know, um, Charles Manson, like oh, Mary Kay Letourneau can marry her fucking 13 year old. They have more rights than I do. It's insanity. And it fuck. So I used to sing the song 1128. It was about all the, you know. Um, rights we didn't have and I did this show and when I finally wrote The Judy Show My Life is a Sitcom and it was about my addiction to sitcoms and how all I ever wanted was to do a sitcom about a gay family 
right? Because my act had become, I'm a gay mom and no one gave a shit, you know, because they were like, oh, it's the same issues as we have. So people forgot I was gay in my act because they were like, oh, she's just a mom with kids. So it normalized, you know, that's what you have to do is normalize things. So I invited, um, and I had read Edie and Thea's wedding announcement and I... It, you know, it made me sad, like weepy, but it made me so angry because here's Edie Windsor and Thea Spire, two women who contributed so, so much to not only New York, but to the world. Edie was a pioneer in, in, uh, at IBM. She worked on the first Computer, which was like a block long, right? She, Univac. huh? Univac, yeah. right? She was a successful, intelligent. Thea was a, a very well-known doctor, psychologist. Thea ended up getting. Well, we're going to get to this, but she ended up getting MS, and they ended up having to get married at the airport fucking hotel in Canada because we didn't have federal benefits here. We had state benefits by the time they get married, but we didn't have federal. And, and so they, she went before, but Thea passes away. They and literally have to have four aides <laughs> on the fucking plane with Dr. Thea Spire and Edie Windsor. They have to get on a plane with four aides and because she's a paraplegic and fly to a fucking airport in Canada to get married. How fucking unfair is that? I don't care what your religious beliefs are. It's bullshit. And they got married. They had a little party in the hotel. And they flew back home. And two years later, Thea passed away. And Edie gets a, a $363,000 inher federal inheritance tax bill. And two, because and 275 state. Oh, and two, 275,000 state. I thought she didn't have to pay the state. She did. <laughs> state inheritance tax bill because we were not covered under the federal government as as uh, we could be domestic partners, but we did not get the benefits of a of a legal marriage of a spouse who was legally married. Meanwhile, in, in other parts of the country, people are um, you know th this woman in Florida was with her kids at Orlando at the whatchamacallit? what's it called Disney what the fuck um, her her <laughs> wife has a stroke. She's sent to the hospital mm -hmm. in the ICU. They will not let her spouse in because gay marriage isn't legal in Florida. Her kids, they wouldn't let her in because she wasn't the birth, the kids in because they weren't the birth kids. That woman died alone in an ICU Jesus. because of your fucking bullshit. I support Trump, even though he's a philanderer, a liar, a pussy, a fucking misogynist. But you know, we're the, it's so infuriating. So anyway, so I, I'm sorry, I get so mad. So I had seen there, wedding announcement and I was writing the show uh, and I it's about my addiction to sitcoms and how I always wanted to have a gay family and I go through all the different times in my life where I pitched the sitcom first it was just me and my my ex then it was me and my ex and we have kids then it was we're divorced and living in the same building with I mean any straight guy would have had it would have been taken already and I end up at the end of the show talking about, 
Edie and Thea and how unfair this is and how I, and in the show, I tell the executives who were like, oh, no, you know, the audiences aren't ready for this or there's not enough sex, whatever they would say. And I tell the story and I invited Edie. I never thought she would come to the show. And afterwards, it was a matinee. We talked for hours. She didn't leave the theater. We just, she wrote her, I still have the card with her, her phone number on it with her perfect handwriting. And I, you know, like everyone else, I felt like you truly could not fall in love with this woman. And I thought when she was the plaintiff in this case, there is no, how can you argue? How can you say this woman who married for 40, well, together for over 40 years, engaged for 37, they had the fucking temerity, they had the, 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 this hope when, you know, I, I, I Judith, as a yeah. little girl, yeah. you, you never thought, Not you knew no. you had a secret yeah. and that it never, were you going to be able to have a family? It was like, oh my God, I, ha I know this, I'll, I'll work it out later. I, I got to hide it. I got to hide it. I got to hide. And here's someone who is, you know, it, it's, it's a mental illness, homosexuality. And they, they get engaged. Yeah. And, and I just, I, they are the heroes of, you know, we all, we hear about, we hear about, you know, there are many, Harvey Milk. We hear so many amazing people who, but these two women, and we don't get, lesbians do not, I'm sorry, we do not get the recognition we deserve, we're still women. This is, you know, she was the face of, of normalcy and of family and of integrity. I mean, she really, and so. She was uh, a class act. She was, fuck it, you can't. I know, but it's hot, it's hot. That's Judith, she has no voice. No, this is not my voice. Um, but she was all about dignity and justice and a class act. Do you think, no, and today's your anniversary. Yes. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you. Bittersweet. But do you think no, you- I feel very peaceful. Yes. Very joyous. Like, cause I, growing up, never, she asked me, she goes, how come you never got married? You're 50 years, 51 years old. And I'm like, because I never thought that I would be able to. Right, that it, it was like, even a possibility. It was so out there that, you know, whenever I had girlfriends, I had ones living with me, whatever, you always kind of had one foot out the door because it didn't matter. Right. And it was also that we were never validated. Yeah. Right. Like even with our families. Like, uh, yeah. Even after Obergefell, I think both of Judith and I have talked about this a mm -hmm. lot. Like it was just so conditioned in us that this was never a possibility Roberta. for us. Yes. That... Even Roberta after it became a reality, it right. didn't feel some, like Roberta it was something that was... Kaplan. Oh, well, I, th I thought you said Obergefell. Oh, I thought you said Roberta. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm losing. But I, do you feel like you lost your voice? Oh, totally. On per like that it is a... Oh, no, I think Edie's doing this. Yeah, too. I do too. <laughs> such, she was so funny and she was so mischievous. Yeah. And yes, she was like, 
we're going to show like on today. the day that we're doing the podcast and yeah. also so on the day the book is coming out it's like no yeah. you shut up it's about yeah. me yeah yeah she's so <laughs> shutting me down now josh she's like don't tell my, my little secret right <laughs> don't worry so judith met edie after thea had died no i met thea i met thea once at a callan lord event oh my god you did Briefly, once. just once. When you, I was brought over and right. introduced her. When you saw the two of them together, now, now Thea was a, a paraplegic. Mm -hmm. Could she speak? Oh, yeah. Okay. She was and she's paraplegic, neck down. Neck down. And she still saw patients. She was a mm -hmm. very res well-respected. Up until the uh, end. Yeah, yeah. Up, up until the very end. Uh, which is like, you can't go to paraplegic as a therapist because then- Quadruplegic. quadriplegic sorry what's para oh para's just that yeah what? sorry yeah. you can't go to a quad you're gonna whine about your fucking parents and they can't move yeah. seriously well she used to sit behind <laughs> that desk oh so there was no and so people really didn't know wow yeah, she had an aide who would come and set her up behind the yeah. desk before the patients came yeah. over because um yeah. yeah she didn't she wanted to yeah i think just appear Normal is the wrong word. Like, I think. F, like yeah, FDR. Just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did the patients know how bad it was? No. I don't think so. I imagine some did. I mean, this speculation yeah. just because it. Yeah, I but not all. Many. That's amazing. So she had a lot of long term patients as well mm -hmm. that I think obviously saw that there was. Right. So we're in the room where oh, therapy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's, see those doors. Oh, yeah, there's doors to close. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Edie would go into the other room, those pocket doors would close, and she would have her sessions in here. You met them. What was it like? Could you feel the. Um, it was really brief. I just remember Thea in this like Rolls Royce of a wheelchair. Right. And I don't remember meeting Edie, but she must have been around there. Around. And it was just some event. And I just said hello and kept moving. And she passed away shortly thereafter. Uh, and then did you. And they show it, you know, in the film yeah. where Thea's coming out of the minivan. Yes. That was the event. Wow. That's what jogged my memory that I was like, oh my God, I met them. Right. Wow. And you didn't know until, you didn't realize it until then. Until I watched Edie and Thea, Very Long Engagement. That, by the way, get that movie. A hundred documentary. Yeah. It's yeah. the most amazing movie. Um, I think we should do a Trivial Pursuit game. Okay. On that movie. And I'll win. <laughs> All right. When's the last time you watched it? Um, Maybe like years. Okay, so you win. Okay, so, but I make people watch it all the time. A hundred times. Edie and Thea, a long engagement. Okay. Very long engagement. You know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know, I've been bragging about Ben, my son, Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? 
I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! I really want to start at the beginning because her life is, you know, fascinating. Especially, she was born in 1929 and my, my mother was born in 1922. So, and my aunt was born in 1929. I mean, she was born at a time so foreign to where we are now. Uh, um, she, Jewish parents, youngest of three, she had an older brother and older sister. Are they alive? Wait, no. Jewish parents, little brother. All right. Um, and she was very close with her brother, Blackie. Yes. Was she close with Dolly, her sister? Very much when they were younger. Yeah, when I noticed that when they were younger, that she was really like her mother, kind yeah. of. And in the book, she speaks so highly of her mother as a woman who really gave her daughter's confidence. Yeah. She's all, she always maintained that she wouldn't even be who she was if it weren't for her mother and the confidence that she gave her and all her children that they could do anything that they wanted. I mean, Seal believed in her children above anything else. You know, what's interesting is that at that time, women to be a woman or to be feminine, you have no opinion listen to your husband and here's this woman who's you know born at the turn of the century who is telling you know you can do anything i mean women could only vote 9 years before had the right to vote 9 years before Edie was born yeah. i mean it's crazy i know so they lived in philly mm-hmm. um they went from a little house to a bigger house but it i, I did I get this wrong? They didn't have a lot of money, but her mother wanted to live in a... In a better neighborhood because she wanted her daughters to marry nice Jewish men that would make money. She really just wanted... <laughs> she, she wanted her kids to be comfortable. And at that time, that was, you know, the way in. For you know what, daughters. Josh? You want to know what's sad? It's for a lot of people, it still, still is. Same. Yeah, go to Scarsdale. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> totally. Uh, right? <laughs> My mother's still hoping. <laughs> 
Is she? <laughs> no, she's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then uh, she's very close with her sister and her brother, but she gets called in. She goes to, ends up going to Rittenhouse. Is that call, Ritten, true? Yeah, Rittenhouse College. College. And Rittenhouse College was one of those schools that was um, created for the GI Bill right. after soldiers were coming back from World War II. Um, and there were a lot of them that suddenly popped up for profit because suddenly there was a lot of money where people were paying to go to college. So there were kind of some shady people. I can't say for sure whether Rittenhouse was one of the shady ones. Right. I don't really know But much Rittenhouse about Square it. is a nice part Rittenhouse of Square is beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but the college was in her high school. Like right. It was, and it was at night. So by the time she uh, graduated and went to that school, Cool. Like nothing was really changing in her life. She was right. just basically staying at her same high school. So she wasn't too th- thrilled about it. Right. Least. But she did go for a higher education, yes, which. 100%. Yeah. She ends up going to this college, which is a part of her high school. She gets, joins the tennis team because tennis is very Jewy. <laughs> Don't you think, Judith? Totally. And especially doubles. Like I, I remember I always played tennis. I sucked, but now, and I was like, I'm never playing doubles. And I won the fucking championship. The mixed doubles. I played with the best guy. and But still, I did my own thing. Yes. I returned all the fucking assholes, sir. All right. So she's on the tennis team. And she meets meets a woman named Renee. Rini. Oh, Rini. That's right. Rini. Rini Kaplan, which is like, because Roberta Kaplan was the uh, attorney in the Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, case and is and Rini was her first girlfriend, uh, was was Edie's first person she touched, but she did. It was the first real kind of crush and awakening that the feelings that she had for girls were physical. She talks a lot about how, um, because I asked her, I was like, you know, in high school, were you aware that these feelings you were having meant that you were attracted to women? And she said no, that she thought of it as just intense. Friendship, just yeah. deep, 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 intense friendship. So Rini was really kind of her sexual awakening. Right. Honestly, it was um all those bare limbs on the tennis court on the roof of the school. Yeah, like, she said around. she loved it because everyone wore a short skirt. <laughs> I um I think that's such a good point because straight people, are, how'd you, you know, how'd you know you were gay? <laughs> and it's like you know there's something you're not feeling the same ways, and it it's when you become an adolescent or a later when you're sexual and you're like, Oh, but she's doing, Oh, in the early 40, you know, the forties. And it's like, Oh, you know, um, I mean, we, our generation wasn't represented. No. Uh, we had no one. And yet she had like, you can't even talk about it. Um, uh, Josh, you, you're young. I'm not as young as I look. Really? Yeah. I was born in 74. Oh, shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> I'm not as young as I look. Do I say that? No. So. No, I get shit for that a lot. I know. It's like, not it's, fair. It's it's going to turn real fast. I Good. Think. I hope so. <laughs> so they have a, an affair and they get called. Rini's mother is a fucking asshole Yenta <laughs> and says to them. Uh, and reports her fucking... T- well, she really she, reported Edie. You know, Rini's mother, I'm doing a bunch of these to get him out. Um, and they get called to speak to the head of the school. And and uh, 
Edie says, I'm bringing my sister, Dolly, because um, she didn't want to bring Seal. But in the end, she said she probably should have brought Seal because Seal wouldn't have cared. Yeah, Seal was Seal was actually used to getting, to being called into the school. Right. Um, like if Edie acted out in, you know, elementary or high school, Seal would come, you know, for, you know, to be disciplined or to like, and Seal would just end up yelling at the teacher right. being like, he's smarter than you. And, yeah. My mother used to do that too. Yeah. But this was different. This was, this was, um, Not you know, really, this was but. something sexual. And so she kind of, I think thought that she might be able to get that over Dolly's head right. in a way that Seal, that she was worried Seal might pick up on, which is interesting because she also claimed, you know, till the very end that she didn't think Seal ever knew she was a lesbian. I personally don't think that's true. And many of her family members don't. Anyway, I'm getting Okay, I'm just going to say, as someone with children, you know. Yeah. (laughs) You fucking know everything. Yeah. Unless you're living in a fucking fantasy world. And Seal definitely was not living in a fantasy world. (laughs) Wow. And I, you know. And Seal was very close with Edie and Thea. Seal was very close with Edie. I know. Didn't I say, did I say this on the last one? That my mother used to come in the fucking apartment. My mother used to come in my apartment and be like, oh no, I was telling this to someone yesterday. We had a day bed in one bedroom, okay, which always had laundry on it. And then we had a queen size bed in the other bedroom and there was an alarm clock on each side. And my mother would come and stay over all the time. She'd walk in with her bag and she'd be like, She'd go into our bedroom and say, I don't want to sh- kick Sharon out of her room. I'm like, Ma, it's not her room. <laughs> Why would she pay half the rent to sleep on a fucking twin size day bed? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so you know, you definitely know. All right. So Edie was a very precocious child and very funny and very good at math, which was not, right? Not. Yeah. It wasn't. The usual. Yeah. So she goes to college. She skipped two grades. She skipped two grades. That's right. She went at 16. 16 to college. Crazy. And she was smarter than the boys. She's I way mean, smarter than the boys. I mean, she she talks yeah. about her little pencil box with a little chalkboard on top. Yeah. And like during tests, like she'd like get all the answers done super fast, glance mm-hmm. around, people would see people struggling. So she'd write down the answers and kind of angle her pencil right. box towards yeah. them. So her. And she was a bookkeeper at the age of 10 yeah. for someone's yeah. company. Yeah. For her aunt. Yeah. yeah for what the fuck is that? Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, it's child labor. But. <laughs> right. I know. But brilliant. <laughs> She goes through college. She has more experiences. She has Caroline, who is her... Wait, her brother is... Blackie. Blackie. Wait, who... It's Rick and Caroline, right? No. No. Okay. So- oh, God. I, I read the book. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Okay. So and Dolly everybody is- has a nickname. Right. Yeah. So well, and it gets and it gets doubly confusing because yeah. some names have been changed also. So it's like I have to make oh, sure okay. I don't accidentally blurt out somebody's real okay. name. Um, particularly her second girlfriend. We didn't use the real name. Okay. Um, really? But- yeah. Like after all these years? Yeah, still after all these years. Is it because sure of the girlfriend? No, it's because we're not sure. Um we're not sure if her family is still around. Yeah, he picked that. Yeah, he decided Edie, that. Oh yeah, and yeah. Edie specifically picked a name, yeah, and didn't want to out her just in case. Yeah. That was oh, so that was thoughtful. Still, yeah, yeah, Edie was very, really very about that kind of particular stuff. about that. Wow. But, um, to to answer your question, and, Rick was Rick. Dolly's husband, and Dolly was eleven years right, old. Right, that's right. Rick and Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rick yeah. and Dolly, and Rick's best friend, 
was a guy named Saul, Saul. who was always around the house when Edie was growing up. No, Saul was friends with Blackie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Saul, Saul was really good friends with Blackie. Yeah. <laughs> Saul and uh, Edie's brother were really good yeah. friends. And, and, and Rick, though. I mean, they all used to hang yeah. out together, during, especially during World War II when all right. the soldiers were coming around the house. But yes, so you, he was much closer with Blackie. Okay. So she is, conti- like, she knows she's a lesbian. Yep. I don't know if she would have used that word at yeah. the time. Well, yeah. I say she, that's yeah. what I yeah. use. That's she funny. knows she's homosexual. Yeah. Yes. And yet, but this in the, I'm like, yeah, it's the 40s. Even me in the 70s. Like, oh, I know. No, or in the 80s. Yeah. No, and I still word. don't even think that word Didn't was, even know that yeah, word. Like that word. I mean, she, she, said, knew, the, she knew the word. Yeah, because you said that she had a hard time. You wrote that she had a hard time, you know, <laughs> using that word to lesbian to describe yeah. herself. And she was definitely interested in studying, you know, when she, um, when she transferred colleges and was studying psychology, it was super into the Kinsey report. Right, like, yes. I mean, she was... Definitely doing her research. And it was interesting because she'd said to her mother, I'm going to go to therapy. No, it was her dad. Oh, it was her dad. I'm going to, all right, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. You know I'm usually perfect on my... It's not fair. It's hard for me to remember. Huh? All right, thank you. No, but she went to her father and said, I'm going to... And what do you need that for, he says. And she said, think of it as like a master's degree, but the subject is myself. I mean, she fucking... Brilliant. Yeah. No. <laughs> Brilliant. Who thinks of that? And who goes to therapy at that time? No. So, but she's still having, she, you know, the there's so many love affairs in this book. There's so much love in the book, right? Yeah. It's, and none of her relationships are this flippant, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like a guy who was writing about, oh, I met this chick, and but it's it's so, you know, she really does describe these relationships and what she got out of them. She was such a fucking evolved person. Yeah, for she was born in the wrong century, you know. Um, okay, well, you opened the book, and I was wondering. Just because the photo, you have to get this book, A Wild and Precious Life. The photos are amazing. The photo with her and Rini, and Rini's on the end with her legs out. And it's like the Rockettes. Yeah. (laughs) She meets the, you know, Saul. um, There it is, Saul. And all right. So she, does she meet her, her gay friend before Saul? Yes. So, yeah. Neither of them had any idea the other was gay at the time. She was she was palling around with a guy named Marty, right? Um, during the summers out in Atlantic City, yes, between school while she was so working. she would go down to Atlantic yeah. City and make money. She did get fired from the job as a valet because she was <laughs> yeah. too slow. Yeah. But she was waitressing. Horrible driver. Yeah, it wasn't that she was horrible slow. driver. Was horrible. It was more that she was too fast. Right. Um, <laughs> she um she thought stop signs were a suggestion. Stop signs were, were suggestions. suggestions. Yes. <laughs> This is a perfect day for you to fucking lose your... I mean, it's not even like it's lost. It's fucking gone, Judith. <laughs> so she ends up marrying... She ends up marrying Saul. Saul. And the reason why she ends up marrying Saul is... Um, a, he'd been around her life. She'd known him her whole life and, and had harbored a very real childhood crush on him. You know, he was like the handsome older guy when she right. was younger. He'd always been around close friends with her brother... Um, yeah, yeah. She, she, he was a trusted figure, and she was, I think, genuinely attracted to him at the time. And 
And there was religion. no choice at that point. There was no you know? choice. And that was really the driving reason why she ended up breaking up with um, the woman we call Caroline, Caroline in the book is that it really just became apparent to her that there was no future for them. Right. So Caroline, Caroline is seeing... Um, Caroline's got her own boyfriend. Right. And they're going out on double dates. Secret double dates. And Where, at one point, Saul questions her. No, that was actually, Edie was dating a different guy. Oh, great. Time. Yeah. Judy. You know, I'm telling her her She has life. fucked so many people. I it, can't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, this I is, love this you, Edie. one thing that I love about the book that oh, so my many God. people read it and they're like, there's so much sex in it. I'm I like, know. Well, yeah, of course. I have to say, but, but, that's, but that was so much of her. There is so not, much sex in this and it's, but that's it's, normal. It's, hot. it's normal. I know, but when she <laughs> like describes Edward. that last night in, in Atlantic City and and Caroline coming over and saying, I mean, it's so hot. Let me tell you something. If your relationship sucks, especially if you're in the lesbian dead, Beth, Beth, dead, deathbed phase, get this fucking book and read it. You're going to want to have sex with your girlfriend all the time. All right. So, uh, she breaks up with this guy and she really had, you know, she would let him touch her and she, it was like, ugh. Um, but she marries Saul. Yeah. She ends up marrying Saul because he's, he's safe and he's consistent. And she had actually dated him before right. when she was younger, um, had tried it out and he oh, was Saul. just the Sorry. guy. He was the one that made the most sense for the life that Seal had always wanted for her. The Seal. only life that she really knew was really possible for herself. And the way she always described it is that, um, I mean, she wasn't doing this as like a mask. Like she really went into that marriage all in. Like she really, really believed like, okay, I'm in it. This is it. This is yeah. life. It, there was I, no faking it at yes. the time. But it Except just, <laughs> yes. she would not be a wiener. Oh, yes. She would not be a wiener. That's right. <laughs> she changed her name. So they changed it to Windsor. Huh? And his father had a fit. His father had a fit. Yeah, mm -hmm. the in-laws weren't, weren't too happy about that. I mean, it's such Jews. a non-Jewish name, Windsor. Yes. It's, yeah, so her name became it. Edith Schlein Windsor. Windsor, correct. And um, he kept the... Oh, Edith Schlein Windsor. <laughs> and he kept the name Windsor, right? No, he didn't. No, oh, after, fuck. After she kept the... Yes. The, the, marriage, the marriage didn't last. Um, they ended up separating mm -hmm. um, within a year, sure. less even. Yeah. I want to say it was around yeah, five, six months. Um, but she but really she, gave it her all. She did give it her she all. Never she never did anything half-assed. Yeah, no, she didn't. And I think it was the... I think it was the it was being in the permanence of of the reality of what marriage actually was to a man that really I think kind of like triggered it for her. Right. This is not for me. This is not right. who I am. This is not what I'm supposed to be. And for someone to do that, I mean, think of all the gay men and women that lived their lives because yeah. they thought that was the only way. I mean, it's so sad. And still to this day. Yeah. Well, the thing that the thing that I loved is that Blackie Blackie knew the marriage wasn't going to last, and I'm, I'm I'm curious if it's because he had his suspicions about Edie at the time. But he told Dolly at one point that that he's like that that marriage isn't going to last six months, and Dolly was so furious she threw him out of the house. Oh God! Wow. Hey everyone, you know. One of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor 
I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. They get divorced. Um, she moves to the village. She moves back home first just to kind of get get, get her herself, bearings. Get her, get her bearings. Yeah. Um, and had been very keenly aware that Greenwich Village was the place for her, that mm-hmm. this is where she was reading. There were a lot of like open gay people mm-hmm. around. She was also, because she loved poetry so much, knew right. that there was like a very cool poetry scene going on there. Um, I think her style of poetry that she liked didn't necessarily align with the beats, but there was. But she loved poetry. Yeah, Yeah. she loved poetry, and felt that she could really live live as her true self there. Right. Um, So yeah, packed, packed up. Did she explain to her family why she was moving? Um, School, I believe. She used that. Was was the was the reason? Right. Yeah. She um, she was looking for. She was just doing some basic like bookkeeping job or her, her first job was working at the makeup counter <laughs> right. at a drugstore, but, um, and did some like accounting books, went to school at Hunter for a while. Um, she still kind of also believed at that time that the only other career option for her was to become a teacher. Right. You know, that was something that was really common with women. Yeah. yeah or nurse. She yeah. That she, yeah. Or nurse. Right. So she moves here unapologetically so that she can live her life. Yeah. She it's we're in the 1950s at this point, early 50s, yeah, 52. 52. Yeah. And I mean, how many women moved and lived on their own in Greenwich Village in the early 50s? Yeah. I mean, not like it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. 
I read for research um, a lot of really amazing, like the lesbian pulp books of that period. Oh, like, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Bebo, the Bebo Brinker. Yeah, Bebo Brinker, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just great just to help me get like a visual sense of what the bars were like. I mean, I had like some recollections from women that I interviewed, but that really helped also paint the tell tell uh, Tell us about the the life of a, of a lesbian. At, I mean, cause they were all essential. They were closeted except in their bedrooms. And, you know, and she had met other, like she met a lesbian couple on the campus of Rittenhouse. She went up to literally went up to these two women who look butchy and said, Hey, I want to, you see that girl over there. I want to, you know, yeah, I want to kiss her. This was with the first girlfriend. Yeah. I, mean, I want to kiss her. Steps. Do you know where we can go? And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, only who would do that? And they let th- that she rented their, yeah, she rented their studio yeah. on a weekly basis. So she could make out with her girl. I mean, like she found places to have sex. I mean, yeah. this book is fucking amazing. <laughs> okay. So she's, Tell us about the Lezzy scene. I know, but I've been saying that since I'm a little girl. All right, the Lezzy scene in the '50s here in the village. Well, that was it. Was it was one of the most fascinating things for me to research because you hear so much about gay men's bars, right? So oh, always like so men, 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 men. During yeah. that period, but I really didn't know anything about the women's bars um, before going into this project. Um, and it was different. I mean, I, I guess I think I assumed before working on this book that gay bars were gay bars and there, there were women also in there, but they weren't. There were very, very specific women bars um, even then. And the research with the lesbian pulp books really helped me put together like a lot of pieces based on interviews that I had um, done with, with, with real women mm-hmm. here. Like one detail that kept like popping up in like the, the pulp books is that there was always somebody around like, asking like, oh, give me a quarter and I'll sketch your picture. Right. right. And I was like, oh, that's that's just a cute, weird right. detail. But it's totally not. It was the freaking mafia getting like drawings of the people to use as blackmail so later they could come to them and be like, hey, we've got this picture of you that our artist took, like, like created of you in a women's bar give me 50 bucks or we're gonna oh my you. god it was so but, shitty and it's that's so shitty and yet they are the ones that own the bars yeah. like they 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 own the bars but yeah. a lot of them and a lot of them were really um just a lot of them weren't meant to last they, right. they were just used as like these quick like money laundering things um money bust out joints was mm-hmm. like the the phrase um but then you had like longer term ones that were actual money makers for them, particularly the gay men's bars. And for those, they would well, men had way more money than women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, just it's it's a world that I feel like the last living group of people that actually remember what that world was like. The women's bar scene is. I mean, we're, we're approaching the end. We're approaching the end. Yeah. There, I, it, it, it makes me want to do so many more interviews. And every time I did interview any of these like incredible, like octogenarian lesbians, um, just would collect their own stories as well. As well. Like after we talk about how they knew Edie and they give me their Edie stories, I was like, tell me about you. Like, right. I want to know what your life was like too. And that really just helped to like paint the larger world out. Which has not been documented at all. No. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You know, one thing about Edie, and then we'll go back to her life, is that, you know, I feel like, you know, women's rights are being taken away now. I think Planned Parenthood needs an Edie. 
you don't need young people. You need an 85-year-old woman who watched her friends get botched abortions on the kitchen table. Mm. You know, you cannot argue with an older woman who's lived her life. You cannot. You're telling me these motherfucker senators are going to... Okay, that's all I have yeah. to say. We need no, more I, I agree with that, but I disagree with that we don't need more young people. Like I, I Oh, no, like I don't, so I don't mean we like don't this. need more young <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah. to get it through these motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, they can't argue. Totally. You know? Well, yeah, that was a huge part of yeah. why Edie was the perfect plaintiff, right? Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So she's living in this lesbo life. She, how did, tell us about how she got the job at IBM. So it was through school. She um, she went through a series of jobs, was working at the AP for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and but- just looks so hot in her fucking outfits. <laughs> I mean, that, there's a pic, you should just showed me, there's a picture in the in the book and in the bathroom of her mm-hmm. sitting at her desk, like fucking, oh, yeah, those are the she IBM was so days. fashionable. Yeah. There was, she was such a femme. She loved to, you know, she loved being a woman and she loved women, you know? And you also have to, but that actually is something really important to consider in terms of how she was actually able to move within these worlds. Like it was the fact that she was straight passing, she was feminine, she was beautiful. And that allowed her a lot of room that so many other queer people during the time right, just did absolutely. not have. And beautiful. But, yeah. And also yeah. being a Windsor, not a wiener. <laughs> yeah, Windsor, not wiener. She was a fuck, yeah. But she was also smart enough to realize that um, she wanted financial stability. She knew that she could only get a job that could get her that if she had some kind of higher education, she right. knew she was in a whiz at math. Um, so she wanted to go to NYU, wanted to get her master's in mathematics, um, didn't have the money for it. And at the time, NYU, if you worked for them, you could get free tuition. So she just marched into one of their offices and was like, I need this secretarial position. Um, and they turned her down because they looked at her resume and they were like, you're way too, you've done too much already. Like you're, you've been like an, like, like an executive assistant at the AP to this like right. major, major figure. Like you're going to be bored out of your mind. And, um, she was really crushed. She went home, she thought about it and she showed up unannounced the next day and was like, listen, I need to talk to you again. And the woman let her come back to her office and she was like, I want this. I need this. I want, need it for school. It's, I'll be honest with you. I'll be totally upfront. I only want this job because I want to go to school, but I promise you, I will give this job my everything. I will be thrilled to be here every day. And it worked. And the woman was like, Okay, how can you okay, how can you say hired. no to her? Yeah. <laughs> so she was hired and um and started school and and she got her degree and how did she get the job at IBM? I mean, so no IBM, one, no women were working at IBM. No, really. that's actually not true. Oh, actually, that's actually, IBM was the one of the yeah. only. Co- sorry, I, I take that was, back. Companies that did hire. They women. were really good about recruiting women. They wanted yeah. they wanted women in the workforce, and they even specifically had um like brochures like geared towards women. Yes, that they would bring I read to the that. colleges. Um, to hire people out, but um, but, but no e- other company was doing right, that. right. And she and she also had all that incredible experience working on like the Univac for like the Atomic Energy Commission, like in partnership with NYU. Right. Um, I mean, she had she had coding skills. I'm sorry, right. she had infant. I mean, she was she was a shoe in for the yeah. for the job. So yeah, she she got hired pretty much right out of school. What was her initial job? Oh man. So the funny thing is, is uh, when you look at her resumes and you look at the job titles, like at IBM, I, I, I called IBM and I was like, 
I don't know about math. I don't know about computers. I need you to explain to me what these titles mean. And they're like, it's changed a lot. We're not even sure. Wow. <laughs> but she was, um, basically what she was doing, she was doing a lot of programming at first. And then she was working within a division called Share, um, S-H-A-R-E, not C-H-E-R. Not Share. <laughs> And what that was is kind of, um, it was it was almost like a think tank within uh-huh. the system where what they were doing was gathering all the information and research that all the different departments in IBM were developing, bringing them to their department, and then seeing how all these different practices could be used together in a way to help the company as a whole. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and she loved that. She had this very like specialized team of people, um, was working kind of um, at that point was more in like like in management was really like overseeing like this team um and loved it you know a lot of people one of the first things they kind of assume is that like you know you think madman right like, like oh it's i 19, you yeah, know you totally I, I, I even that, look at the fo- yeah. you look at the photos in yeah, the book and think, and here and, and, and she think, looks exactly like yeah. yeah and you think the women are being like treated poorly and like she never oh, yes. had Man anything bad to say about the people that she worked with. She had a female boss. Um, she loved the people. She loved the people she worked with. They would vacation together. They, um, and they had together. no idea she was a and lesbian. And they had no idea she was a lesbian and they were constantly trying to set her up with people. <laughs> and, and she is surrounded by men in some of the photos in the book. And mm-hmm. did, how did they treat her? Were the guys at IBM different than the guys at other companies? Like, 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 I mean, like an equal, I think, I think she, I think if, um, I think if I had, I think if I'd had more time with Edie and if I'd continued to dig deep and if I'd been able to show her some of the documents that I found in it the would archives have prompted afterwards, her, yeah. it would have prompted a few more memories. Um, for example, I found a, uh, kind of like check-in progress report from one of her bosses, a male boss at that point. And one of the areas that, um, she was supposed to, you know, grow in was learning to curb her emotions. Curb her <laughs> oh, time. shut the like, fuck yeah, up. I, read that. I was like, oh, I Are wish I could have Are you kidding me? That is, that happens like, today. Yeah. It was, that was some bullshit. <laughs> That's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But she, she, you know, she got but promoted. She kept getting promoted. Yeah. yeah. She knew, I mean, she, she knew, Honestly, she knew how to play. The, she knew how to play the game, and she yeah. was smart enough to do she it. She was actually, oh, and yeah. she was contributing very important things to the company. Um, she was a really valued, valued member of it. Um, but her dating life, you know, so she, was she just keeping mum on. She kept the ruse going. Like she <laughs> played into this whole thing, but had a double life. Correct. It's very much a double life. She was. Um, there was a women's bar called the Bagatelle, and she was known as the the Belle of the Bagatelle. Um, she was very famous. She didn't she didn't drink a lot. Her, yeah, she her, got yeah. drunk earlier in her life and was like gross. Yeah, it was, so I was like, I'm yeah. not really having that. And like, you know, she would have like a, one cocktail yeah. out, but then like really. But she over would to like act coffee. like so tipsy after she had it, don't you think? Oh, she was a she flirt. Drank. She she was yeah. a flirt. Yeah, I mean, also. Yeah. Oh my god, beyond flirting, <laughs> yeah. unapologetically flirting. Oh yeah, totally. Um, you felt like a fucking million bucks around her. I don't know. Did. I don't care who you were. Every single she well, she had that gift that like I've I've only seen in a few people like in my life. No, not like I'm not kidding, like Trump. Josh. Not like Trump. 
No, it this, was a the, joke. This gift, no, it's a totally different thing. Where, Shut where, like, up, Judith. well, because Trump does the exact opposite. I know. I don't even want him in this. Yeah. Get, get rid of that. Fuck you. Fuck you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go let's ahead. not even. Let's not even. All right. Let's get rid of it. No, I, she I, really did make you feel like a million she bucks. She had yeah. this ability to make you feel like you were the only person in the room, even if you were in a crowded room. Like when she was talking to you, you were the only person. You know that who mattered. did that? Bill Clinton. I met him and I was like, and he looked straight at you. And then I met him again and he remembered what we had spoken about. Yeah. That's the best kind of person, right? They're like interesting, but they're also interested. Right. Obama was like that. Yeah. I I I mean, I I met met Michelle. I met Michelle. Did you meet Barry Obama? (laughs) Fuck you, Judith. So, uh, jealous. So she's living the double life. Um, Does anyone at work suspect not at this no. point. Yeah, I don't no, think so. Don't she think would so. um she would go on the occasional like double date. Um she had this it was very easy for her actually like if, if she felt like pressure was getting too much at work and people were maybe starting to ask too much questions she'd go on a date with somebody who worked in like a different department but there was a built-in excuse there which is like oh we can't continue seeing each other we work together so right. she was shrewd about that as well you know um, and you know if she was unattractive no one would have fucking said a goddamn yeah. thing they would have been like ah oh, well you know so tell us about you know how she meets Thea. She she's financially gr- doing great, correct? Yeah, she's doing pretty good, pretty well for herself. Yeah. Her family, her family, yeah, and her um her father had passed away um very suddenly um while he was visiting her actually in New York. So mm-hmm. Seal was on her own, but Seal was a shrewd businesswoman herself. Um, yeah, you can was, tell yeah. Edie has a lot of Seal in her. Yeah, her a lot of Seal and. In her. I think, um, I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but Seal, I think, had bought the house at Written, bought the yeah. new house closer yeah. to Rittenhouse Square. So they had like, a, she had a bigger house. She was um, renting out some of the rooms as apartments, so making more income that way. Right. She, they, they were doing okay. Um, Dolly was, I'm not going to remember if she was actually, if she'd graduated yet from her, for, with her PhD. I think that was later. Um, they, I mean, they were, I mean, smart, many, they were doing, they were doing, they were doing well. How many kids that well. age have advanced, women in a family have advanced <laughs> yeah. degrees, like exactly. PhDs and yeah, master's yeah, yeah. degrees? Yeah. Okay. So she's very popular in the Lezzy world. Um, <laughs> no. No? Yeah, the no, yes, yes, yes. And yet she <laughs> has this double life. Do you think that took a toll on her? Yes. I don't see how it, yeah, I don't see how it couldn't yes. have. Um I, I mean, I think anybody living a double life, it's going to catch up with you yeah. right, at some point. How do you think she dealt with that? Um, well, one of the ways she dealt with it, and it was af- one of the ways she dealt with it, and this was after she had um, initially met Thea and um, really kind of fallen for her and it wasn't working out. She started going to therapy and it mm-hmm. wasn't strictly a conversion therapy, but it was pretty close to right. conversion therapy. Um, because she had reached a point in her life where she was like, I've dated a bunch of women. Nothing is really sticking. I don't see how I can form a long-term relationship with any of them. The one woman that I am like the most like in love with or think I'm in love with because I don't really, you know, right. most passionate about at this moment in my life is completely unavailable, you know, both just emotionally and she's with somebody else. Right. So she's like, maybe it's time for me to try and do what I did with Saul and just mm-hmm. bury all of this. And the thing that she said that really always killed me was that um, she was like, I can live without sex in my life, which 
I also kind of don't believe. Yes. <laughs> She's like, I could live without sex, but I can't live without love yes. in a marriage. And so her big plan was that she was going to find a widower who was very sad and still, you know, mourning the loss of his wife. Mm-hmm. Didn't really want a sexual relationship, but had children and she could funnel all of that energy and love oh, that she my had to God. Give into Can children. you? I mean, I mean that that's no. that's your choice. Yeah. You know? I mean, and that was yeah. what that was really the only like and the way she was, was so specific about it. Describe that group. The group was like philanderers and Yeah, it was a, it was and a they shitty group. Shunned Edie. Yeah, it was gay. Wait, say this again. Yeah. So, so the, group that she, the therapy group that she joined it was a group therapy group. Okay, um, and there were. A and couple, this was the conversion. This therapy. is the conversion yeah. therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not technically conversion right, therapy, but really, but, yeah, but, really, but, but, but for, for all yes. for, for all intents and purposes, yes. it was yeah, yeah. right. Of, and she was like and the there worst were, one. The, yeah, there were two other. I think mm. she said there were maybe like two other gay guys that very quickly who were there for the same reason. Let me like I need help curbing my homosexual behavior so I can live a quote unquote normal life. Um, and they very quickly dropped out. And so it was just her. And there were all the other people in the group were like, you know, real assholes and doing really like sh- fucked up shit. Like things like cheating, cheating on, their, on wives, their wives, doing a lot of drugs. But Edie was the one with the real problem. Where, what year was this? This would have been late 50s? Uh, no. Huh? It would have been 60s. early sixties. Early sixties. I need to start keeping my book like <laughs> yeah. with me. Like, so <laughs> early sixties, yeah, and she's 60s. in this group, and they are telling her. So she's come out in the group. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and they're that. telling her, "You're, you're he that you're the worst." Yeah. And what you need to do is be with a man and we'll try and help you find a man. We'll mm-hmm. help you, you know, curb these homosexual feelings that you have. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I don't know the exact like language they were using. I'm not sure what specific type of therapy they were using. Do you know what I mean? But except that it was group, which is, I mean, there's an element of huge peer pressure there too. Of right? course. Horrifying. Like, and she was, and it wasn't just at the group, like they would meet out of group and like get coffee and hang out. So this was like a big part of her life. And the thing that got her out of it was that she heard through the grapevine that Thea was suddenly single and going to be alone and free and available out in the Hamptons. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, let's just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy no. Gold's Just, just kill, me. kill Me Now. Just, just Kill Me Now. <laughs> It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.